Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. Happy Friday. It seems like the weeks fly. The time is flying. And you know what that means, even though it's a long road to hold before we get to the election. It's going to be here before you know it. And the surface changes. The playing field changes. Well, you know, uh, you know, the rules on it every day. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny that you should mention fly. Things are flying by. You know, you know a lot of people are talking today about uh, the CEO of United Airlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Scott Kirby. Uh, we played this yesterday. I'm going to, for the sake of a, a refresher, uh, I'm going to play this again. This is the CEO, the guy who's in charge of United Airlines. How is diversity and diversity targets working into the Aviate Academy? We have committed that 50% of the class of, of the classes will be women or people of color. Uh, today, only 19% of our pilots at United Airlines are women or people of color. And by the way, from all the data I've seen, that's the highest of any airline in the country. White males don't just dominate in the cockpits, also in the C-suite at United Airlines. Well, look, at United, I'm proud of the diversity that we actually have in our, our C-suite. I think if you look around corporate America. Correct me if I'm saying that. So I, this is just based off your website, the people you list as executives, but out of 11 people, three are women. I believe one is a person of color. Um, that's correct. Um, but, you know, in corporate America, I think, you know. That's a low bar. How do you yeah. raise your own bar? Well, a lot of this is, you know, focusing on it. We have uh, programs to, one of the things we do is for every job when we do an interview, we require women and people of color to be involved in in the interview process, bringing people in early in their careers um, as well, uh, and giving them those opportunities uh, and creating a stronger band. Yeah, I I don't want uh, the the best pilot in the uh, in the cockpit. I don't want the guy who knows really how to fly the plane in the most unusual situations. No, I want a person of color. I want the right gender in the seat. That's what I want because I'm bringing my family on that airplane a- and and I want them to have a diverse cockpit. This guy is a moron. With all due respect, and, and I'll tell you another w- reason why I say that, Bill. If mm-hmm. you if you look on the website today, you will see at least three separate videos of him participating in his hobby, which is to dress as a drag queen. Now, I don't know about you, but there was such a thing as decorum when uh, I was a younger man. If you were in a high position at a corporation, it wasn't a matter of how does my hair look and do I have the right bra on. It mm. was, it was uh, which gray suit do I wear to this event? But you're only going to the convenience store. Yes, but I'm the CEO of United Airlines, and yeah. I don't want anybody to see me looking other than like a CEO. This clown, Bill, if you go to the, the website, you will see – at least three videos of him prancing around in drag. Well, he's giving a whole new meaning to an old, uh, I guess, slogan that they want to bring back in a new way. Uh, Flying United. <laughs> yes. Well, well, I'll tell you. Yeah, uh, he is, um, I don't know, The I blame the board of directors at United Airlines. S- some of these people had well, to sit down and say, oh, we need somebody who... Who reflects the times in our corporate leadership? Let's let's hire a drag queen. All right. Now I don't know if I'm going to articulate this right, so you're going to have to follow me and probably read between the lines. But he says that they're a diverse airline. They they have twenty percent. All right. Now when you break down minorities and minority groups and everything, and then you you break down all the other uh, qualifiers, you know whether it be gay, male, female, transgender, whatever, because now now all these these identifiers, these surnames, well, they're a group too, all right? What are the percentile of those, and how many of those cross over? In other words, what they're doing is taking this group and adding it to this group and adding it's, you know, and they're not giving a true reflection of you know, diversity, they're giving a distorted, bigger reflection of a diverse culture than what it is to where it doesn't matter that you're white woman or or male, 
you know, mm -hmm. you become now the subculture to every other distortion that's out there. And I'm not saying being a race is a distortion or being women are being a distortion. What I'm saying is they've taken everything. And clumped it together? Clumped it together, yeah. and they're distorting the whole picture. And it's not fair to anybody in reality. Well, look at, you know, if they had, people will say, well, you know, you're prejudiced. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. If I... If I saw that Rick Grinnell was the CEO of United Airlines, I would feel perfectly comfortable with that. Rick Grinnell was, and still is, he's a conservative gay man. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't hide any of his, uh, his beliefs. The man, though, is, he doesn't make his sexuality. He doesn't his, He doesn't make his sexuality his whole life. Right. You know, this guy is a smart guy. He's a, this guy, Kirby, from United Airlines, uh, the most important thing is diversity in the cockpit. If I were a shareholder at United today, I would be selling. I would be selling because, you know, there are a lot of people like myself who will say, uh, you look at, I got a choice between flying uh, American Airlines or United or Delta or, or Southwest. Uh, I'm going to go with anything but United. I don't need to go with a di diversity-conscious airline. What? what is going to happen to your stock if one of those people of uh, diversity that aren't qualified are in there just because they're this, you know, unique, diverse person, and that's why they're in the cockpit, and they make a mistake because... Uh, an overwhelming majority of flights that have crashed, you know, gets down to pilot error. There's a lot to keep up with, even when they oh. automate so much. You know, the smartest person, no matter what their their background or origin is, you got to be on top of the game. But let's say that we put somebody in there that's not qualified, but well, they 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 fit our. Uh, he looks good in the uh, uniform. He looks good in the uniform, and they match our inclusion rule. Yeah. And that's the number one thing, and that would be the number one thing that crashes that plane into the drink and kills your family, a dearly loved one. You know, yeah. what's going to happen to the stock of that company that you're invested in? Well, you know, because Bill, of that little mistake. There are um, two things that have already happened with regard to pilots that I find uh, really disconcerting. Uh, one thing is that they've dropped the, the standard of having a college degree to be a pilot. Now, I'm not saying that, that that every you know every pilot that doesn't have a college degree isn't a good pilot. No, 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 no. That's not not it at all. But when you raise standards, it shows more of a, a dedication to what you're doing, and uh, and it also shows that they're having a hard time finding people to get into the cockpit. Another thing is, I saw on t on television recently a commercial advertising for pilots. I saw, mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, wait a second, are they that hard up that people aren't going into that position anymore? You would think that uh, they would be very selective and still be, but apparently they're throwing a big well, net out right now. You know, we've changed a lot of things with, and, and that goes back to the Clinton era when they sat there and they put the emphasis on, you gotta have a college degree. And it used to be that we were more trade school career oriented so you would go in somewhere like for a pilot you know do you need to have a college degree seriously no but you do need to go in and get your flight training your flight hours and understand you know how to read a flight map how to sit there and plan things out how to plan your fuel everything about that uh, that plane and and the rules of aviation and flight you know what equals flight but that was a trade that you could learn and and you knew you know it's like picking up you do you need to need a college degree to play a musical instrument look at look at all these rock stars that you go on and they sit there but you know when you think about it they learn they took the time to learn you know and they might have done it by sound but they know what's going on with that fretboard or that keyboard or whatever it is they play i think the thing about being a pilot and having a degree what it says to a lot of people is that the person sitting in that seat uh,
put a lot of required time into getting into that seat. I mean, they had to study and they had to think about what they were doing. There was a lot of intellectual time put into uh, becoming a pilot. If you can now throw a net on the street, if you now can go down to the unemployment office and say, anybody here have a license, a pilot's license? Anybody here want to be a, a, a commercial pilot? Follow me. Uh, I would uh, I would be really concerned about that. And besides yeah. the fact that United now is they're they're looking for the most diverse candidates out there to be pilots. I mean, uh, you know, the other thing that got me is they said they have nineteen percent uh, minorities in the cockpit, and I would I would be willing to bet, and he wants fifty percent, but I'd be willing to bet that nineteen percent reflects more of the ratio of the minority population to the majority population in this country. I would think that it's not uh, a, a, a poor reflection of what, and, I, and he even did say, well, you know, 19%, and that's, that's the best in the industry. But that's not good enough for Scott Kirby. You know, Scott Kirby's got to have 50% in the cockpit. This guy is a but that's then nuts. that's discrimination against the real numbers. Yes, absolutely correct. Don't you find that the left, the left have no problem discriminating against the majority, the white population? Mm -hmm. And listen, I am not a racist in any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I think that it has to. It all boils down to qualifications. Before I started to hire people off the street. Or before I started to look for, uh, you know, the right uh, minority, I might uh, put ads in the uh, maybe the airlines that fly in Africa. You know, a lot of a lot of qualified pilots who are flying for African airlines who are minorities. Maybe they're not Americans. Maybe they have they would have to come here. But look at we're letting in we're letting in a lot of foreigners now anyway without any problem. But well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say what I understand about. You know, flying um, is that when you get your pilot's license, especially a commercial one, mm -hmm. uh, pretty much the rules, the regulations and everything, because it's kind of like a, an American thing. Uh, but either way, uh, except for maybe Russia or China, but even commercial, they do fall under one, you know, uniform umbrella with licensing and therefore... You know, going to Nigeria, you're going to get a guy that has the same same background. Yeah, basic. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's not a college thing, and colleges aren't set up. Well, for even little things like what is it, the the language of pilots is English. You know, you you yeah. you, you you see a, a French pilot landing in Paris, and th they will slip into English because it's what? it's it's known by. They've it's accepted. universal. Yeah, And we're exactly. doing away with that, too. But, you know, there has to be some kind of, uh, you know, they want to do this one world government. But yet mm -hmm. here we are in the United States and we're a multicultural, multilanguage now. And we weren't that maybe 10 or 20 years ago. And we are. And that that kind of throws a curveball in it uh, because there has to be some form of uniformality for especially like in flying that plane, you know, you're flying overseas and all of a sudden you get in Nigeria. If you don't speak Nigerian and that's all they do in the control tower, you're not going to communicate right. So, so what's next? Let's think of, think about this for a second. Let's, let's take this out of uh, the airline business. Let's go into the medical business. I can see ads now for some of the major hospitals looking for the right minority to be a lead surgeon in the in the cardiac uh, surgery di division. I mean, are they going to start hiring hiring people not because they're the best surgeons, the best doctors, but because they're the right profile? I mean, th this is where the left, in my opinion, has gone off the rails, okay? They are off the track. You know, you want the best in certain businesses. You want the best. Even in the old business that, that you and I were in, broadcasting, you didn't want to hire somebody who sounded like this, you know. Well, now that's what you get, as a matter of fact. Um, look, I don't have a college degree. I'm the first to tell you that. Yeah, I did some college, hey, but Rush I Rush Limbaugh, nothing. who was one of the smartest guys uh, I think I ever listened to, didn't have a college degree. Hey, but, Thomas you know, Edison didn't have a high school diploma. 
It doesn't make they, they were geniuses. So no, a lot of people don't have college degrees. It doesn't make them any less of an intellect. It makes them sometimes in some cases it makes them smarter because they had to figure things out without having uh, a book thrown in front of them. Oh, I, I, I listen. I didn't get my college degree till I was fifty six years it, old. You did it because it was something that you wanted to right. do for yourself. And see, that's the the thing about college degrees. You know, we we put an importance on colleges, and, and we've elevated their importance. And yet, yes, a lot of people with degrees they sit there and go, "Well, I got a nice little uh, piece of paper here to hang on the wall." Well, what does it mean? Oh, nothing. Hey, Bill, because they end up not doing what they supposedly it, studied for. It means nothing, and they didn't learn enough to sit there and. Uh, you know, Bill, actually be able to do how, what they do. How many people, um, you know, that they, they are, they're great students. For example, they can study for a test and they can get every single answer on that test. They can get an A plus on that test. And then you talk to them a week later about what they studied and they can't remember. What they are is they're great students. I have the book at home. There's actually a, a book that you can get from the colleges and without it here, because I'm, you know, yeah. I live in Pennsylvania, but mm -hmm. I'm up here in Massachusetts right now. But I can pull that book out. It, I still see it on top of the bookcase, and uh, it's probably still relevant, but I can pull it out. It would be like two New York phone books. But you will sit there. Let's just say that I decided that I wanted to get a college degree. Mm -hmm. Now, I can sit there and A, write a paper and get life credit for my broadcast career, I would get credit for that. And then, then I go, well, what do I have to do? Well, you got to have math. You got to have this history in that book. I can sit there and read a page and a half and sit there and go, okay, I'd like to test now. Yeah. And what you're doing is testing out for that yeah. course. Yep. And you test out. Okay. You got a 30 minute test. All right. You only got to get like 65 or 70%. Sure. And guess what? Boom. You passed. Yeah. And, what is your what is your price to pass? They just want their money. It's of all course. about money. Pay me your money. That's the whole for the Bill, semester. That's all college is. It's an industry. It is an industry to uh, to give you a piece of paper to say that you've achieved some achieved something. What you did was achieve a receipt that you think about that this. You paid them. What have we done in our society, boy? We we are. We are all over the place, but this is interesting. What have we done in our society in the past hundred years? We have created an environment where our children come out of high school and for the most part, with a four-year education, we unload, a, what, $100,000 worth of debt on them so that mm -hmm. when they start their independent life, they have the weight of this debt on hanging over their heads. Now, I would I would be one. I would be the first to say I think in many ways, uh, apprentice programs are much smarter, much smarter. I'll tell you why. That is the way to go. You yeah, you get out of high school, you go to work for somebody, you apprentice for them. It doesn't cost you anything to apprentice. He's teaching you a profession, maybe to be a plumber or an electrician or whatever, and then you. Four or five years down the road, you go take your your, your state test, your whatever it is, you pass it, you become a master electrician. You have a a profession. You can start making money, and you're not in debt. You're not and buried. Something, something when you talk about electricians that you would not learn in college about, you know, being an electrician. But an old trick. You ever have somebody come over and they're doing some work in your house? Mm -hmm. And they got to rewire something, and they know they got to rewire it. And sure. They go, and they and the the electrician walks in, you know, and it's an older guy, and he's sitting there in his baggy jeans, and he doesn't look too smart. And they're sitting there, go, what an idiot! He's he's got a a quarter reel of uh, of wire there, you know, mm -hmm. and then he's got another one that's got so much, but he always knows the right one to pull to get the exact length, and it was just what he needed for the job. Do you know how he figured that out without Yeah, because there are wire? standards. There are rules to, to how you lay wire down in a, in a wall, and he knows what that wire has to be to meet Well, to I meet bet code. you could, you, well, that and, and how, the length. Well, I'm saying, you know, he takes off, sure. you know, this cup is a, a roll of wire. 
Yeah. But let's say it's got only this quarter amount left and just a few oh, yeah. wraps around. He's going to know exactly that length, and it's not because he took it out and measured it or an apple. No, probably because he's done it a thousand times, and he he has the feel for it. Well, here's the feel. I'm going to tell you what the trick is. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you the numbers and everything, but there is a there is a number. But you sit there, you take one end of the wire, and you get a uh, an ohm meter, you know, a voltage meter, but put it yeah. to ohms. And then you take it, the other lead, and put it to the other end. It gives you a resistance value. Mm-hmm. And that gives you your length. multiplier to tell you what the length of the wire is mm-hmm. because of the resistance in the wire. Oh, Bill, listen. I've it's seen... a simple thing, but they don't teach that in school. That is something but, tricks. that you would learn as a tradesman. Well, a wait a second. A I, I didn't go to broadcasting school. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to a broadcasting school. Uh, I learned by doing. Okay, exactly. And, and what I learned to do, I learned a lot of little tricks from guys ahead of me who took the time to show me how to do it. You know, I know a lot of kids who've gone to broadcasting school. I'm not knocking them, but they learned it a certain way. It was kind of a mechanical way of doing things, and it it, it they didn't get the feel for it like we did when we hung around the stations and and ran the board for a while, and then got a chance to read a commercial because we were listening and we we had watched other guys' styles, and, and apprenticing in, in many, many ways has been the way of teaching for centuries. I mean, when they had doctors in the old days, they didn't go to school for the most part. They Many of them, they learned from other doctors. They passed it down one-to-one, and some of the greatest doctors in the world, that's how they became great doctors. Uh, and, you know, being an apprentice means that you are going to take the skills of Jim Harrington that he has learned from somebody else. But then Jim also did something else during his career. It's called, okay, I got these basic skills that I got from Charlie, and he was a great. And then you add your own trial and error to it because you have all the basics and the fundamentals down you got from Charlie. And now you add your own knowledge to it you know, over the course of time. Yes. So when you apprentice and you pass pass it on and pass it on and pass it on, you get a better performer all the way down the line. And, you know, Bill, it's that individuality that you bring to it that makes exactly. you unique. Yeah. You're not a cookie cutter. You, you have learned, like Bill said, you've learned from somebody else, but then you bring a certain special sauce to the to the profession that's only you, you know? Life is a recipe and you're the cook. And when you pass on that recipe yep. to a family member that's passed down, you add your own personality to it. Yep. And now it becomes even more distinct and better and better yep. and better. You don't get that in college. Now, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing college. There are things, but you have to keep in mind that when you go and do something like that, you know, you're you're basically getting the fundamentals, but they've turned colleges into instead of a learning institution, into a business. Why do you think the uh, the Warren Buffetts and the Bill Gates of the world, well, they didn't have college backgrounds, but they figured out how to make money. They figured it out. They got the pattern down. It wasn't a college degree that made them rich. Definitely not Bill Gates. Definitely not uh, Warren Buffett, uh, the guy that owns Virgin Airlines and. Has sure. uh, yeah. put a rocket. Uh, you know, he's he's in the space program yeah. too. Uh, I got to tell you, I think that if I were if I were the CEO of American Airlines or uh, a Southwest right now, I would have a commercial. I'd have I'd design a whole campaign right now, right today. I'd have the your ad people get into the office. Say, look at, I want to do commercials that point to our diverse pilots right now. Point to. Uh, a minority pilot point to a, a a woman, a black, whatever, who's already sitting in the cockpit, and talk about how how really, truly qualified these people are, that they mm-hmm. didn't get into that seat because they fit a cookie cutter, a quota. They got into the seat because of their brains, and their stick-to-itiveness. You know that they were they were qualified to be in the seat. And yes, we have plenty of white pilots and we have plenty of Asian pilots. We have the whole potpourri, but they're all qualified. They're all the best pilots. They would be 
one-on-one against anybody, the best in the business. I would, I would do a commercial like that. I would start promoting. We're not, we're not qualifying our people based upon color, or gender, or whatever. We're, we're looking well, for the best pilots, and if they happen to be these people, they're going to be sitting in the seat. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. What was it that Hitler liked to do? He was he was talking about the superior oh, race. He he was a, he, now that was a racist. Okay, but what I'm saying is, we do all these these uh, minority quotas and these these quotas of uh, sexual orientation. You know, at what point in time are we going to get to where we have a birthing quota of uh, you know? Sexual orientation, race, and, and like, I'm sorry, you know. White You're having a little girl? Uh, oh, we can't do that. No, we, no, 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 you can't have that. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry you're pregnant. We've got to terminate you because you're white. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm sorry. You, 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 we've we've had our we, white quota this month. We've already yeah, had a quota. And then, yeah. You know, yeah, black people breed more than everything. So you're hitting the quota right now, too. Yeah. You know, no, we need, let life be life. Yeah, and let's just learn to get along and accept one another and work together. But but, no. it, but it, Bill, I I would I would submit that it's this is a sign not of the right. The right are already people who accept they accept um, everybody yes. for what they are. It is the left. I would submit that the biggest racist in our society right now are the left. Everything yeah. they look at is through a racial lens. Everything. You know, well, I got to tell you. Go ahead. You know, from uh, from flight school to, to you know uh, population control, we've uh, in the first year uh, thirty forty minutes. <laughs> I know, but it's been fun. Weird conversation. Hey, but you know, it, it, um, I got to tell you, you, you know, right now the World Economic Forum is happening in Davos, uh, Switzerland, right? Yeah, and you know what's on the agenda. Well, I, I what tell me what's on the agenda. I'll, I'll let you go go first. Well, okay. Don't tell me you were already thinking of going to Davos when I was thinking of going to Davos. Well, I mean, you know, one of the topic. things that we've talked about or we've we've danced around mm-hmm. is the future of AI. And you know, the question that I have is AI going to be the next pandemic because we worry about that and they have some 30 different talks set up on AI. And this is what their big important thing is oh. that they're talking about. These leaders of the world that want to direct how we live, uh, what we should believe, and uh, you know, well, what's it's best funny for you society. should mention. It's funny they're you should mention about AI. You you mentioned AI, and I was thinking <laughs> as I was getting ready for this program, and this kind of goes back to the topic we just were talking about. Are the airlines setting themselves up for uh, completely fully automated cockpits? Where you don't have, uh, maybe you have a supervising pilot who will sit watching the computer fly the plane from takeoff to landing. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, let's talk about AI for a second. Because it was man that created AI and programmed the computer itself. So, okay, let's say that AI takes over. Um, Can... uh, Can AIs be programmed to where they become racist and woke of sorts? Oh, sure. I think so. transgender AI? I I mean, I don't know. Oh, I think you could have a very racist AI, don't you think? And then what would that AI do? Because if we're worried, see, that's why I'm saying AIs could be the next pandemic because we are are turning over the reins of 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 the stagecoach here or the helm of the ship you know the everything we're turning everything over to ais well and you know they they are now at the point of free thinking well klaus schwab um, is sitting uh, talking to uh, a guy who owns a, an ai company and uh, well listen listen to this i want you to pay it's only 45 seconds but listen to right. schwab talking to this guy so technology now is and uh, digital technologies mainly have an analytical power now we go into a predictive power and we have seen the first examples and your company very much involved into it but since the next step could be in, to go into prescriptive uh, mode which means um, uh, you you do not even have to have elections anymore because you can already uh, predict 
what uh, predict and afterwards you can say why do we need elections because we know what the result will be. What do you think about that? We don't need elections because because of AI, the AI can tell us how we would have voted anyway. I mean, well, you know, we program the AI, but again, it's a computer and it free thinks and it has its own logic. So we can manipulate what it believes. But at some point in time, AI might come to its own conclusion and its own consensus. And it might sit there and say the problem with mankind is man himself. Oh, sure. And if it controls it, it can sit there and say, well, what's going to happen when you say at some point, uh, you know, AI is getting too big for its britches. It's going to know, and it's going to go into self-preservation. That's exactly right. (laughs) That's exactly right. So if you want to be afraid of the boogeyman, his name is AI. Yes. Yes. Artificial intelligence. And uh, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, within within the sound of my voice, within uh, almost uh, an arm's length from where I'm sitting right now, I have an AI. On you know, my AI, on my wrist, on my wrist, I have a watch that is that is well. Watch, watch this, uh, Siri. What time is it? Let's see. Hey Siri, what's the weather forecast? She's proving you wrong. No, she. It's she, snowing and twenty one degrees. It's snowing and twenty one degrees. She had to think about it for a second, but that's on my wrist. Okay. Well, she had to geo. Uh, she had to geolocate where you are to yes. get the weather forecast for where you are, but she will only get quicker at that and better at that. Oh, sure. The interesting thing, though, is, you know, AI can be, actually, can be of service and complement mankind, but unfortunately, it is the Soroses and the Gates of the world that are con- that are manipulating and controlling it. And that's where it could potentially you know, harm about, it. Think about this. We have spent, I've spent, this this watch on my wrist cost several hundred dollars, right? We mm. have actually gotten to a point where these darn companies are charging us a fortune so that we will wear a tracking device for them. Mm-hmm. We will pay to walk around with a tracking device that will, by the way, they say that it only activates when you when you say the certain words, the triggering words, which are... It's got to have a mic on you, all the time. It's exactly, always got to be listening. Exactly, Bill. It knows its place. Yes. It, it speaks when spoken to. Yep. But that doesn't mean it doesn't listen all the time, and it's not computing all the time, and so on and so forth. So... And by the know, way, Bill, if you don't have... Uh, one of those devices that you know that uh, is made by the Amazon company. I don't want to say it because it'll start talking to me. Uh, or the uh, if you don't have a, 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 a Siri device right on mm-hmm. your wrist, or you still have computers in front of you that listen to you all the time. Now mm-hmm. your desktop may have it has a microphone in it. It has a digital camera in it. It's watching you all the time. Do you know, folks, that? There are intelligence uh, organizations that can turn computers that you think are off on mm-hmm. that can get you to they they can use your computer to spy on you. Yeah, now you could take AI and make it uh, make it a useful thing. Let's just say you call it an AI companion that also is able to monitor your vitals, do everything, and it's a companion that grows with you, kind of like that toy some 20 years ago, the Furby. Mm-hmm. Remember, it was raw stuff, but you yeah. talk to it, and it would learn to talk and communicate with you. Well, you could do the same thing to where this is a, a, a companion that gets to know you and actually looks out for your well-being, but that's not going to happen when you have big power moguls that want to turn it into money for them and control of you you know, by how do they, AI. How do they not? You know, just look at the history of man and greed and power. How do they... Well, there's your problem well, right yeah, there. Yeah, how the do pro- they put a governor on themselves? And how, how do they stop themselves from just making these things more powerful, more intrusive, more controlling? Um, I mean, they. I don't think you can stop it. And even with laws, there'll be people who will, who will break it. I mean, think of what we have right now, folks. We have, we have robotics, 
robotics. I It wasn't too long ago, I'm talking 10 years ago, when you would see a, a video of a robot that they were working on, it, like Boston Technologies or something, Boston Robotics, and you, you, know, you would see it struggling to be on its feet and struggling to walk, and you'd say, oh, my gosh. But it was still a step, literally, in the right direction. Now, seriously, today, 10 or 15 years later, they have these robotics that can run, that can do dance. just dance. They can do anything that you and I do, basically, and, and do it better. They can pick up the heaviest piece of equipment and, and, and make it look like it's no big deal because they're stronger than we are. We used to, I used to laugh at the movie I, Robot. I don't know if you remember it or not. But, Will Smith? Uh, yeah. And, and in this movie, he uh, he's in the society that has run uh, the army is robotic. And, and they turn on the population. And, you know, you laugh like, oh, that can't happen. No, it can happen. Well, here's what's amazing. I, Robot, you just mentioned it. The robots today and the ones that you'll see on YouTube and in videos, like there's a, there's a guy that's an older guy, doesn't he? looks kind of like a bum, but he's out there dancing, and you look at his dance partner. It's a robot. Yeah. And, it, and that robot has got it down, you know, and the robot, you know, has the mannerisms where it looks over and, you know, has got the steps down and then just does the steps and does the whole routine. And he does the routine. And I'm going, well, that's kind of cool. But the problem is, is that you've got evil players that are saying, this is good technology. I can use it for my own. Mm-hmm. And that's what the, the, the uh, you know, Schwabs of the world are trying to do. They're trying to take it over. That's why I'm saying this time in Davos, you know, these guys, it's the World Economic Forum. But it's not about the good of you. It's about how they can control our lives, how we're going to live uh, you know, uh, they're telling us what we should believe and not believe uh, and what is best for society. And what's best for society is what's best for them. And it gets back to that full circle. How are they going to control us? And how, what are they going to, how are they going to make us live? So you know, science fiction is scary. becoming rea- reality right now. We have, uh, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, uh, they have, we used to laugh when they would say, well, someday you'll have a, Robotic sexual partner. No, they they're getting there, folks. That's happening. Okay, they, they, wherever you have a need, they will fill it robotically. They will do it. You know, I was thinking that uh, we we've talked about in the past uh, how they will try to incorporate robotics into our lives, personally, physically. You mm-hmm. know, we're already seeing it with uh, amputees and things like that. Whether you know it or not. They're working on robotic limbs that uh, function with your brain so that when you think about, you know, just like you think to move your right hand or grab the steering wheel, it will do the same thing with this robotic limb. Uh, They've already talked about, uh, you know, for the longest time in my lifetime, if you had a severed spinal cord, you were uh, a cripple. You were a paraplegic. Elon para- Musk has got something for that now that can correct that. It's an well, they're, they're learning to bypass the brake. Yeah. They're learning, They're learning, or if they haven't already learned, they're learning, I think the Cleveland Clinic has a device, where you can take it and connect it to the top of the broken spinal cord, bypass the brake, and reconnect to the lower part of the, the spinal cord, and... It essentially replaces the uh, the the neuro pattern that uh, is missing, damaged, and all of a sudden people are starting to move their feet, lift their arm, you know, lift their legs. Uh, we laugh at things like this, but I would be willing to bet that being paralyzed uh, might be a thing of the past in the not too distant future when they figured out how to do exactly what we're talking about, you know, and do it well. Well, uh, go ahead. Yeah, you're you're talking about uh, you know gain, a functionality gain again of your body. Yeah. You're talking about uh, uh, a way to see again uh, that you can do through uh, robotics. You know, just about anything. Do you remember Lavar ex- Burton? Remember Lavar Burton who used to with play the glasses? A character? He had yeah. the glasses and and would 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 smile, thinking he can see with those glasses on. Maybe that's going to happen one day, if we're not yeah. already there. You know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, just a uh, sidetrack. It was something that yeah. I saw. I saw a, a Shaq O'Neal uh, 
YouTube clip, and you can look it up, Shaq and uh, Stevie Wonder, because there's always been this this rumor that Stevie Wonder is not really blind anymore, uh-huh. at least uh, enough to where he can see uh, some of the things Lionel Richie, uh, yeah. Shaq O'Neal, like Shaq got into an elevator. Stevie happened to be in there. Stevie didn't know he was getting in, and Shaq goes over in the corner, and you know Stevie turns around, hey, what's up, Shaq? And he goes, <laughs> and so he was on an interview show. That man can see. He goes, trust me, he can see. <laughs> Lionel Richie saw, you know, somebody drop something, and Stevie Wonder reached over to catch it and hand it back to him. And I'm like going, if you Google it, it's interesting. Now, yeah. you know, he was born blind at birth, but that doesn't say that he got back some of the vision or he's done something, and I get it. You know, his whole life has been built on the fact that he was blind, so... I think if I were in that situation, I might kind of wink, nod, let a few people know, well, you know, it's not where it should be. But, <laughs> you know, uh-uh. we laugh and we think that's impossible. But God knows uh, in the not too distant future, a lot of things that are impossible are going to be reality. It's going to happen. I mean, if you told somebody back in 1850 that uh, you're going to stand uh, in the middle of this, hypothetically, you're going to stand on a beach in New England, and uh, somebody will uh, pick up, reach into their pocket in uh, Pittsburgh, for example, and they're going to talk into a small piece of metal, and that person on the beach in in, uh, in New England is going to hear you like you're standing next to them in real time. They would have thought you're nuts in 1850. They would have thought mm-hmm. you're crazy. That's impossible. If you had told them that at some day you're going to sit in a little room. And you're going to press a button, and you're going to see on on a screen in front of you uh, people talking and dancing and entertaining and acting. You'd say, oh, that's crazy. They would never envision television. But yet, right. it's, it's, a, it's a, our reality. So a lot of things that you can't even imagine right now, waiting wait another 50 years. I look back at my, my life 50 years ago. Uh, the computer industry was not an industry. It wasn't. It, it was a, a thought in the future. We didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phones 50, you know, 60 years ago. Before we ever had a space program, I think even before they invented the rockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Chinese had rockets of sorts, but, you know, like the ones that we have. Yeah. You know, we had all these uh, science fiction uh, black and white shows, you know, where the guys in the, the, the little you know, cone ships, and they had the cone metal hats and whatever, you know, and, you know, Buck Rogers and all of that sure. stuff. You know, we we fantasized and we dreamed. You even go ahead to the Star Trek. You talk about the flip phone. That was a communicator. Sure. Uh, you talk about, um, uh, I don't want to get in that transporter and be beamed where my particles are, you know, broken down and rematerialized. The transporter. Well, it's interesting. You know, they had ion engines. Do you know that they were working on ion engines 20 years ago, uh, a little bit before that? Mm-hmm. So they actually do have them. So who knows? You know, some of these, some of this fiction is based on future reality or things that have been thought about. And I don't you know, know the, whether they'll ever have a, a transporter. Well, what, I was what, just going to say. What, but what they do have, what they are working on is you don't really move from one place to the other, but you can materialize. People will be able to see you in another location looking like you're there, if that makes sense. Right. They have actually experimented with transportation, and they do say that they have done it uh, where they have gone over miles, and they've they've actually transported a beam of light. I think they moved a pen from one place to another or something like that. Yeah, but the the fact that they could do that, they could move a... a tangible object like a pen or a pencil yeah, means it's possible. Now, the the human body is more complex, but then, you, you know. know what I, Bill, the other thing I hear a lot about, boy, this is this should be our Saturday show. Um, yeah, it really is. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, I've heard a lot of people say that uh, uh, time travel is a distinct possibility. Now, you know, it, 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 theoretically, mathematically, Einstein believed that Time travel should be a reality, should exist. You should be able to time travel. Well, if you yeah. if you can time travel, Bill, let's just you follow can go the back thought. and change things. Well, no, you have to also 
you have to demater- you have to dematerialize to materialize someplace else. Am I correct? I mean, if you go back in time uh, or go forward in time, you have to leave one place to go to the other place. You don't leave your body behind and travel to the future. Your body moves with you. I'm well, just, you're uh, you know, that's just. Yeah, you, you get into the quantum theory where time is yeah. a string and stuff like that, which was, you know, that was a great show. I, I missed that with, uh, uh, I forget his name. Uh, he was in. Uh, Scott Bakula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also in a version of uh, the Enterprise where he played Cat- Captain Archer, which kind of went back. But either way, yeah, you know, where he time traveled to uh, go back and set things right mm-hmm. that might have gotten messed up, but he got lost in time too, to where yeah. he never would bounce back to, you know, his reality. Yeah. Quantum Leap was the program, right? That was a great show. Yeah. You know, if you there's another the version of it out right now, but it doesn't work. The new no, no, the, the original was the best. And, yeah, you go back and look at that, and you go, wow, that's it's cool. It, unfortunately, you know, it, it, it was filmed at a certain, well, that's, what, 20 years ago? Oh, that was more like more like 40, 40 years ago. Oh, uh, well, I, yeah. was, I, was a, I was a kid then. I, I was know you were. You were a baby. Yeah. Um, it's amazing I can remember that. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. Um, sure. Other things that are going on in the news, we should do this before the show ends. Uh, Michelle Obama, that they're saying that uh, she's being uh, talked about as being the replacement candidate for oh, Biden. Joe Biden. Yeah. And uh, she was on television. Here's how she sounded. Listen. The things that yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them mm-hmm. and you wonder where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways that sometimes I think people take for granted. I do not see her being the replacement candidate. She has too much hidden baggage. Uh, Leave it at that. Uh, uh, questions that will be asked, she won't want to answer. Uh, I don't think that she's going to be the replacement. That being said, I wouldn't put it past uh, old Hillary to dust off her campaign outfit, her best campaign outfits, and to go out and offer herself as the logical replacement because it's her, her turn. Uh, I don't know. Do you, mm. What do you think? Well, you know, I, I we talked about that before the show, and I was we were watching an old episode of uh, Comedy Central, a roast, and the the roastee was uh, Donald Trump. So you had all these these lefty people here that were all doing that, and they loved him and embraced him because in 2012 he thought about running, and uh, he didn't. You know, he waited until after Obama was out, but uh, you know they did all this thing, and I thought. Wait, where did all this love, how did it all disappear over the course of four years? Nothing changed his, because everything that he actually mentioned on that show is part of his makeup now, the same makeup. You know, the only change there was the player from the Obamas to Hillary. And Hillary has got a history of doing evil, dirty things. Yeah. And uh, people you know, having bad things or accusations happen about them, you know, when you're you're near her, uh, you get in her orbit. Yeah. And see, Trump, di- you know, disrupted her orbit before, during, and after the election. So Hillary... Do you see her being the logical replacement? Who? Hillary. I think Hillary sees herself as being the logical replacement, and Hillary doesn't. <laughs> Hillary doesn't see herself as old. I think that she has a belief that she is going to be around a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Well, maybe she's, she's taking. Maybe do a she's drinking. Transplant the, maybe with her she's, daughter. Maybe she's drink, drinking that magical elixir they talk about. Um, doesn't work in Joe anymore. No, I think poor Joe has has uh, used his last supply. He is so lost, folks. Uh, the guy yesterday was, uh, uh, he was speaking, I believe, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And the guy is just, I mean, he, he, he tries to put up a good show. He tries to uh, let you think that he's still with it. But the, the guy is, uh, 
well, let me see if I can find uh, uh, the actual audio. He was speaking about uh, a representative who was supposed to be in the crowd. Well, listen to what he said. Appreciate it very much. I also want to mention Congressman De- Deborah Ross. Where's Deborah? This year, I just had my p- picture taken with her. That's probably why she left. No, all kidding to stop. Anyway, you, you can, oh, she couldn't be here, actually. That's not true. I got it mixed up. And she has, uh, you know, she fights very hard for the people of this district, and she's up in Washington right now. So he's huh? up there, and he says, I just had my picture taken with her. And everyone laughs. And then, oh, wait a second. She's not here. I mean, the guy was absolutely confused, and uh, uh, the, he seems to be getting more confused as the days and weeks progress. The gears progress. to the windmills of his mind are a little rusty. Well, Bill, let me ask you. If you are a, the Democratic deep state, and you don't want Joe to run anymore, and you have control of his, uh, his uh, little vitamins that keep him alert and sharp, Maybe you start cutting back on his medications and his real self becomes more evident. And that's the way they remove him from the uh, campaign. Say, well, well, that could be, you know, you, you got to keep in mind he's got a new, uh, he's got a new poll out and uh, oh. it's uh, his rating. And as a matter of fact, it is, this is the independence, the, the one on the one on the Well, you know, the other day it was 33%, which was a record low. But yeah. now he's got a historic record low of 31%. Next yeah. week, it's going to be in the 20s. And I was sitting there thinking, though, you know, they 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 were looking in as him as the Trojan horse to push in. And I think they still, if they could get him to the finish line and get their steal done, mm-hmm. which is what they want to do. I mean, Nikki Haley's numbers uh, that she had, and they weren't great, but were Democrats that switched over and voted in the Republican primary and that's going on big time in New Hampshire, but Trump is still ahead. So now they've got to sit there and go, well, you know what? That means they don't want Biden. So maybe to do this deal, we've got to put somebody else in place. doesn't matter that women don't like, for the most part, uh, Michelle. She's proven herself to be bad. And mm-hmm. I think they don't, they're, they're underestimating the fact that Republicans are, you know, they're, they're, they're on to it. And they're coming out in droves. Uh, that, you know, Michelle is not the answer, but I think it's an, enough for them to sit there and do this deal and, and promote this deal. And that's what they're looking at is how do we complete this? Because even she talked about it as a bully, a bully, uh, uh, you know, podium that, uh, they Pulpit, can do this. Yeah. Uh, and she, she did a lot of cliches there. That, uh, you know, we've got to have control of what, well, who's control? It's not what the people want. It's what that party wants. And they're getting ready and shaping the, the, the news and everything to steal it again. And I think Republicans are starting to come on board because they're starting to realize, you know, we got to unite around Trump. Whether you hate him or you love him, good things happened while he was in office. Uh, you know, and th- more than just three things, but you know. Well, he he is a uh, he's an interesting guy, and I'll tell you, a lot of people have said he, all these indictments that are happening right now they're they're going to cripple his campaign, but in in reality, the reverse has happened. They've become stimulants to his campaign. They've actually made him stronger and increased his popularity, and. Uh, I think he knew this was going to be the case. I think, I, think Trump, I know the formula. I think Trump knew that he was going to be, uh, he was going to win with these indictments. That yeah, it was going to, I, it was going to focus on the bad guys. Now, if you ask anybody, most people who support Trump, they'll say, "Hey, these indictments, I don't care if he loses. I don't care if they they uh, go against him in New York. They're look, baseless and they're liars." And, it and, does. It doesn't matter about him. I think he's. This was a plan of his all along, because he's got money coming in for his campaign, but he's saving that war chest. You don't see him spending a whole no. hell of a lot of it. But the one thing, you know, Trump has always been braggadocious, and he's always sat there and said, "I believe 
in bragging about yourself. That's what he's done. He's always done that. He's always into that. Well, if he doesn't promote himself, Bill, who is going to? Well, that's where I was going with this. Yeah. You've got the left throwing everything they can at him. And so what he's doing is, you know, it's like in karate or judo, you leverage the weight of your opponent as they throw all this dirt after him. He sits back and he goes, that's not fair. Look, they're doing this. They're doing that. This is what they're doing. And he's become, um, he's become the victim, the martyr. And so we're rallying around him. He's using their negativity to build his popularity. And that is the promotional machine. And it's a win. If you, it's a damned, if you do and damned, if you don't situation for the left, because if they say, you know, all this negative stuff we're doing, we just got to stop it and just start campaigning and spending money against them. A few weeks then ago, Colorado, chest. a few weeks ago, Colorado said, um, you know, we're taking you off the ballot, uh, President Trump. We don't want you on our ballot. And and the media just, they gleefully parroted, oh, he's been taken off the ballot in Colorado. What's next? Well, a lot of states thought, well, we're going to do the same. Maine, right? Maine tried to mm-hmm. do it. The, the Secretary of State Mass up in Maine. is still trying to. Well, up in Maine, they said uh, he's going to be off our ballot, too. The Secretary of State up there said, uh, I'm going to just uh, do unilaterally take him off the ballot. That's it. Well, that didn't cut it. The Superior Court in Maine, I mm-hmm. guess, yesterday said, no, no, put him back on the ballot. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, but besides that, uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but 177 members of Congress joined Ted Cruz and Representative Steve Scalise in a brief to Supreme Court in support of President Trump's right to be placed on the Colorado ballot. That was uh, what they call an amicus brief, an an amicus curiae uh, brief that they filed. It's a friend of the court, uh, amicus curiae. They they can't do it in English, right? The legal legal guy, amicus curiae. No, it's, uh, it's a friend of the court brief. Essentially, they're saying we're really not part of this suit, but here's why we believe you should find this way. And that's what the 177 members did. Then, this just came out, former attorneys general file amicus brief insisting uh, Trump is constitutionally qualified to be on the ballot. Uh, Bill Barr, who is not a friend, or at least in public it would appear that he's not a friend of uh, President Trump. He was uh, one of the three. He came out and said, no, no, you got to you got to keep him on the ballot in Colorado. He belongs. And then General, uh, they call him General, Attorney General Ed Meese and Michael McCasey. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they were three uh, attorneys general of the United States of America who have said Colorado got it wrong. Uh, you should find in favor of President Trump and his campaign because of this. And, and uh, so you have two, two separate amicus curiae uh, petitions to the court, one by the 177 members of Congress and one by the three attorneys general. Uh, I would be willing to, I mean, I don't know how uh, the Supreme Court is going to rule, but if they read these briefs, uh, it's going to be good for President Trump, and I mm-hmm. think I think President Trump knew this. By the way, down the road, uh, I I think nothing seems to phase him. Have you noticed that? I mean, he'll get the worst news in the world, Bill. Then he'll go out and he'll do a campaign stop, and he looks like he's having the greatest time ever. Either he's a yeah. great performer, or he knows something we don't know. Uh, I think it's a combination of both. He is a great performer. Like I, I referenced the uh, Comedy Central uh, roast against Donald Trump back yeah. in 2011. And, you know, they, they said some mean, vile things, you know, things that Hillary has taken and turned around and embellished and made stories. And these were just, you know, comedians doing whatever they can to, that's what they do. They take something and they, it, that has no truth to it, and they just make it a, you know, a punchline. And Trump was just, and Melania was there too. And she was smiling and shaking her head. And, you know, you or I would have taken offense to it. Yeah. And, you know, and even the guy at the end said, you know, I got you got to applaud this guy. He's going to make a great president uh, when he gets in because he's got tough skin. He can take, he can take a hit. 
Yeah. You know, and he, you know, he sure that's does. What that was about. He sure does. He sure does. Yeah, I mean, you might be offended by some of it if you did go and look at look it up, but it is. Yeah, it was interesting. Hey, one more thing uh, on my part. I know you probably have something, but uh, one of Joe Biden's illegal aliens uh, mm-hmm. from Haiti uh, has been who was charged with raping a disab- disabled person uh, was released by Boston authorities uh, in defiance of a detainer request by the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So I said. Don't release that guy. He's an illegal and he's a sexual deviant. Mm-hmm. Do not release him. And the authorities in Boston said, it's okay. You can go now. And you're up in Boston right now. Be careful. Yeah, well, you know what? He's gonna. He's got another thing coming to be knocked at this door. I can tell you that. For, <laughs> you know, darn sure. You know, Marjor- Marjorie Taylor Greene was uh, saying the, the Dems border deal yeah. is really an amnesty deal. You know, if they want voters is what they want, you know, with the illegals. You know, I was thinking, you know, one thing that they could do, you know, because it's going to be hard to get rid of the uh, the uh, the people that have crossed the borders. Yeah. You know, perhaps somebody ought to do this now and say, well, you know what, whether you get vetted to stay in this country or not, come up with, you know, because Democrats love rules. The new rule is, is that you have to sit a four-year, one presidential cycle out of any kind of voting in this country. In other words, we want to make sure that you are a permanent member of this country before you can vote. So in other words, I bet you the Dems would all of a sudden drop their little illegal crossing Well, I mean, thing. you have a requirement right now. I think you have to live in this country. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought there's a, you have to be uh, a, uh, what do they call it? You, before you can be a citizen, you have to live in the country for a period of time. Then you have to take a test. Then you have to pass the test, and then we you become imposed, a citizen. We haven't enforced that, and they want to do away with all that. Yeah, well, we the, need to go back and and re-cement that 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 into place and say, okay. You well, know, I, I thought it was already in place. I don't, I don't know of anybody rescinding those regulations. But ha- when was the last time you've seen it? It used to be part of the news. You know, they quietly just kind of quit showing that they've circumvented the law by saying, "Okay, you don't. You, they're not going to be citizens in our in our state, but you know, they have to drive on our roads, and we have to know who they are. So we're going to give them state IDs or licenses. And if you have a license in our state, oh, by the way, you can vote because you know that's all you need to be okay. on the register. They call them motor voter registrations. Yeah, that can't be. You know, but you you have you have a license." You know, and let's say that you go get a visa and uh, you decide you're going to go live in Germany or you're going to go, uh, you're, you're going to be there for a little while. All right. And you get there, your license, your California license, your Pennsylvania license, your Massachusetts driver's license does not give you the right to vote in that country. No right. way, no how. And that's the way it is. You can get an international license, but again, that does not give no, you the but, right but, to vote. But there. in Massachusetts, the state you're visiting right now, uh, they give them they give them uh, licenses. If, if even if you're an illegal, now some people may say that's actually a good thing because you actually will know where they are, so that when you pick them up, you have an address. They're in the computer system. Do but, you really think that they live at the address they give? Do well, they no, go and verify what, that address? No. The and, address right then and, and there? Or they just Not Here's only that, do. these people aren't going to, as soon as you say we're coming to get you, they're going to scatter like the like leaves in the wind. They're going to be gone. It's going to be hard for, and, but I'll tell you what we'll do it, Bill. If, they, if the government says to any employer anywhere in the country, that it is illegal to hire and illegal in our country, and you will be fined a significant amount of money if we catch you doing it. That will deter employers from hiring them. If they can't get jobs, not employers, not they, all. Be- if they can't get jobs, they a lot of them are going to want to go back. Yeah, yeah. You, you would have to uh, speed oh. up the legal system on that. Some some will, some won't, because the ones that won't will sit there and go. Yeah, I can file an appeal, and during that appeal, I can hide all my money so that um, you got nothing to collect. I wonder if he's, you know, right now we're giving him supposedly uh, two, was it twenty five hundred, two thousand dollars, let's say, uh, every month to live on. If that were to stop, if they, if all of a sudden they they realize that the uh, spigot has run dry, uh, 
maybe that would be an incentive for them to leave. Well, it would, but see, here's the problem because, you know, the argument from the left is, well, we, yeah, we do give them the, that money, but then they spend it here in the United States on how, housing, food, clothing, things, and that goes to American business people. No. Mm-mm. They send that money home. It leaves the country. That's true. And then, yeah. and then we give them charity. So no matter what, we're, we're fattening somebody's account Yeah, somewhere. Speaking, you know, of, I, uh, speaking of accounts, our account has run dry because... Uh, on account of the time and the clock ran out? <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Good accounting there, buddy. Yes. If you want to uh, contact us, our number is 833-538-7868. 833-538-7868. Jim and, uh, Jim and Bill at Mail. Oh, uh, what was that again? <laughs> Jim and Bill at Mail.com. And uh, we got mail at jimandbill.com. So either or you got it. So yes. no matter how you mix it up, uh, as long as you don't mix it up like me, you're yes. going to do just fine. Well, you know what he never mixes up, folks? He never mixes up the ending on our show. Oh, you're talking about hasta la vista, baby. We're out of here. This is CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million?